Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to SEN Baseball. Beautiful day outside here in Melbourne. We're going to get straight into some of the standings right now. We're going to have a little expanded MLB look right off the top of the show. But before we get to that, of course, joining us as always behind the microphone, former Anaheim Angel, Brendan Wilson. Good morning. Frida, how are we? I'm good, mate. How are you going? I'm very well, thanks. And Enjoying this beautiful weather. Terrific. And joining us from back from overseas, been on a junket overseas to Korea to check out some Korean baseball. JC, Justin Charles, how are you, mate? Annyeonghaseyo. What, what good morning. What, what, <laughs> there we go. Look out. What just happened? What just happened? I thought the mics had played uh, up. Come uh, on good, now. good to see you back, mate. Thank you very how much. Great your, to be back. How was your trip over to uh, Korea? Where, where in specifically were you over in Korea? Um, was staying in Daejeon, yep. which is uh, in between Seoul and um, the other one. Yep. <laughs> Um, and uh, it, yeah, it was just phenomenal. It was um, really eye-opening. It yep. was uh, a great insight into Korean and Asian baseball. Yep. Um, got you to did, see. You did catch a lot of baseball. I'm, I'm guessing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It was. Um, it was just phenomenal. Caught. Uh, saw half a dozen professional games. Um, went to a high school and watched how they practiced and. Yep. That was really eye-opening. Learned a lot of uh, things as a coach uh, to, to bring back. Of some of the language as well, because I don't know what you just said to say hello. But yeah, <laughs> yeah well, my wife is Korean, so... Uh, okay, yeah. she a baseball fan herself? Is she a fan of the game? More now that we're married, because yeah. um, uh, she has to be, I guess. Otherwise, it'd be a pretty bad existence for her. Yeah. But, um, no, she was phenomenal, actually. She uh, opened a lot of doors for me, her and her beautiful girlfriend, Haran, yep. um, was able to sweet talk us into a lot of uh, situations. Um, at uh, the, the local team is the Hanwha Eagles yep. in Daejeon, and um, you're just not allowed to go in and see BP before a game. You, people aren't allowed in, and uh, my wife and her girlfriend uh, sweet talked my way in there yep. for me, yep. and... Um, Got some amazing shots and nice. and once again learnt a lot as well. Um, just from watching how they worked out and uh, you know how they went about things and um, in, yeah, it in was one awesome. word describe what you learnt about their type of baseball. Off uh, off air, we were just talking about it, Willow. Um, it, it's repetition, absolutely. Um, it's incredible, isn't it? It is just phenomenal. They are army like and uh, they're just so disciplined. From a young age, I was, I was, that's where I was going to go. You said you'd been to some big league games, but also high school. Yep. Is it start at the high school? Do they they're as drilled? Yep. As the pro guys, absolutely. That just, I mean, it it was just such a shock to. I mean, we. I already knew that they 
they practiced a lot and, yeah. and they practiced a long time when they did practice, but to actually see it yep. and, and what they actually did um, was just uh, a real eye opener. And um, I spent probably three hours uh, at, at practice uh, and talking with their coaches um, and they were explaining, you know, the hows and whys they were doing things. Um, and uh, they were just, I mean, they were really wrapped to have some, you know, some foreigner, you know, come yeah. in and, and, and <laughs> check out to, to see that their program is important enough to check out. But um, no, it was uh, just amazing. The kids were beautiful. Yeah. Um, they let me take a couple of swings off, nice. the, off the batting machine. But they're, they're set up. No contracts. None. No. <laughs> They sort no, of no. run. No, but their um, set up practice-wise w- was a mirror image of how the pros practice. Yeah. Um, and and you can just see why they step so seamlessly into, you know, that scenario. Yeah. We're going to talk more about it as we go. We're going to get to sure. the standings now, of course, over in the US, the main sort of baseball that we tend to follow here over in the United States. Currently in the American League East, uh, Red Sox leading the way there at 32-22. Uh, Orioles are also up there. They're doing nicely. The Tampa Bay Rays on the bottom. They're stinking it up in that East Division 22-30. and 30. In the Central, we have the Royals leading the way at 30 wins and 23 losses. We're going to have a look at this MLB as we uh, are today because we're starting to get down to the season. And over the first few weeks that we've been doing the show, we've sort of glossed over the standings. But now... We're really starting to get to it. All-Star Game coming up. We'll talk some voting on the All-Star Game a little bit later, but just continuing on there with the Central. Indians are 28 and 24. Twins still holding up the bottom there at 16 and 37. In the American League West, the Mariners and the Rangers are leading the way there at 31 wins and 22 losses, with the Angels on the bottom of the table there at 24 and 29. In the National League, Willow, you're going to take a look at the National League standings there and uh, just what's going on there. Well, in the NL East, the Nationals are uh, starting to slowly build their seasons. They're at 33 and 21 with the with just ahead of the Mets, and that's going to be an interesting interesting uh, challenge all year along with the Nationals hitting lineup and their pitching also, but the Mets pitching lineup specifically. The Braves are at 16 and 37, bringing up the rear along with the Twins making baseball look really really hard in the NL Central the Cubs are just cannot lose at the moment if they lose it's one game and then they're back on a three or four game winning streak they're at 37 and 15 ahead of the Pirates by a clear eight games at 29 and 24 the Reds there in that NL Central um, starting to string it together they had a couple they had about five five wins in a row earlier in the week but they're still at 19 and 35 yep and in the West the uh, the toughest or the tightest uh, league we normally have um, the Giants at uh, 34 and 22 have snuck ahead of the Dodgers, but the Dodgers have started to really put their season back on track. So Giants went on a 7-3 win loss just over the last 10 yeah, games. Absolutely. So they are, are on a roll at the moment. Led by Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey just yeah, starting yeah. to really get their season Quato, going. all those well, guys. Yeah, big pickup there, Johnny Quaida, really starting to pay dividends. We're going to speak to uh, beat writer for the San Francisco Giants a little later in the show. So uh, make sure you stick with us for that one. But other win losses that have gone during the week over the past ten games, Texas really got on a roll, went seven and three in their last ten. Kansas City Royals with Salvador Perez, who went down injured, and interestingly, it's a it's a really complicated setup. But 
do you you know Pete Moylan went down mm-hmm. and then went back up again? Correct. Can you sort of explain the scenario, how why he went down for two days? Yeah, okay. And then back up again. Well, so the the rule is is that if a major league if a player comes up from AAA to the major leagues, they're supposed to uh, and they play, they have to go. They can only go back down. And stay down for ten days. They have to be sorry. They have to be down for a minimum of ten days when they get dropped back to AAA. Yep. Barring an injury, so Salvador Perez gets injured, and the Royals have every right then to bring anyone back up, yep. regardless of who it is and how long they've been down there. Peter pitched really well. It was like a, just a roster shuffle that he really went down for. Yep. Um, Salvador goes down. Pete get back up here. He probably didn't even leave. Kansas City. Yeah. There's a good chance. Now, I don't know. Yeah. But a lot of the time, if they think these things are going to happen, they'll hold out to see what happens, give Salvador another day or two. Nope, no good. On the DL, retrospective. So he's only down for 13 days instead of the 15. Yep. Um, but And they can bring Pete straight back up. And he was probably sitting in the clubhouse playing Nintendo for a couple of days. Yeah, of course, his record. I was surprised that they even considered uh, putting him down anyway. He was two, went. He's a relief pitcher, but he went 2-0, and oh, two wins. You just no. got to think of their bullpen. That's the only thing. I mean, they've got yeah. three of the best relievers but essentially they could all be closers in that bullpen so that's he's always going to be tough to crack it the fact that he's up there in any stance is fantastic Pete's a great pitcher we all know him well um, but that just that that ball club in the Kansas City Royals is so good uh, that he's just really worked hard to get that spot and keep it now his record 2-0 with a 2.45 ERA so we'll see more of Pete Moylan as we go and just touching on the Australians also Warwick Southpole went down injured pulled a groin Mm. in one of his outings um, this week, he's currently one and one, so he's had some success at the big league level, doing nicely. And Liam Hendricks has been out for a couple of weeks now. Went on the 15-day DL a little while ago, but has um, I didn't see why. Did you, was it? I assume something to do with like a. It was an arm soreness, tricep. But, they, yeah, they I said so. a strained tricep yeah. was the official. Something line. Back, going back to that, you get through the first month or two of the season, you find a bit of dead arm. He hasn't had his best results or um, and hasn't felt the best. I know he said he, but obviously work going on week on week, he wasn't feeling any better. Yeah, um, hopefully that's just a bit of dead arm, and he's back back very soon. Yeah, well, as you know, you know, pitchers tend to suffer that from time to time. So um, you know, he, he hopefully just down for a short period, gets his arm right, back up, and uh, can get back pitching in the big leagues. Of course. Um, Charlesy, just coming to you now in the in the central there for the Chicago Cubs nine and one this particular week. Terrific performance in a ten game stretch there. They've just been outstanding, haven't they? Um, the the Cubbies. I've sort of taken my eye off the ball a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks. Sorry, I've, sorry. I've, I've been a little. I've been a little bit uh, KBO centric, but um, but certainly uh, have you know. Kept a kept a bit of an eye over over the Cubbies and the and the Giants. Yeah. Interesting, you said about uh, Johnny Cueto with the Giants being a great pickup. Willow from um, uh, you know for the Giants. I noticed the other day, and and you can really tell when uh, a team is rocking and rolling and they're gelling together. And you know, the Giants are one of those great cultures. Um, but Johnny Cueto is clearly having an influence because we saw Derek Law come out the other day for a relief appearance. Mm. And did you see him started to turn his back a little bit and started quick pitching started and started mixing it up a little? Did you bit. see that? Just did you see that from Johnny? Now, he, unbelievable. He did. He did, and he he gave. Now he's got the good ninety five mile an hour fastball. But he did give up the game losing a home run to. Uh, uh, at it Atlanta, it, it does happen, but geez, it, it's really made an impact on on his uh, on his pitching because he struck out a couple. 
couple of guys and they were clearly deceived. Yeah, so uh, Quado clearly having an impact it on his teammates. doesn't matter how hard you throw. You need a, if you don't have Correct. deception or you can't hide the baseball a little bit. Muck up your timing you know, and that kind hard, of thing. So. So. Just on, on the Cubs, the yep. only game they did lose was Jake Arrieta's start where they were going for a major league record 24th consecutive win in Jake Arrieta's start. So 9-1 out of their last 10 games and they lost the only game that... I think everyone wanted them to win because Jake has pitched so well and the Cubs have played so well. And in that particular Jake game, in that particular game, he did pitch a great game. It was a yeah, seven had, innings, zero for, runs. Yeah, zero runs, and for the first time probably this year, and the the Cubs averaging nine runs <laughs> a game. Yeah. you know, one of the best offenses in the game right now uh, didn't give him any run support and didn't win. But that, you know, that. Should have, could have, would have been a win any other day. Absolutely. One of the uh, outstanding performances during the week, which is something we very, very rarely see, is five home runs in seven at-bats from Mookie Betts. Let's just take a quick listen to this. And a high fly ball into left field. Kim at the wall, and it's gone again. He's done it again. Five home runs in the last two days. Phenomenal performance, Mookie Betts. First time it's ever been done. Lead off in two consecutive games for the Boston Red Sox in that particular instance, setting a little bit of history there. But when was the last time that was done? Five home runs, seven at-bats. Couldn't tell you that, but it was almost like a Daniel Murphy-like run, wasn't it? Like Just it, chip in if you... Oh, I'm going to guess last year, Bryce Harper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you saw the tweet too. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, isn't, oh, isn't that phenomenal? But it's factual funny. person. It, it, Five it, it home is, runs in seven look, at that's ridiculous. phenomenal. But this is the thing, like when you get dialed in, you're locked in, everything seems like, you, you know, you're ahead of the game, you, you, you're all over it. Um, and, and we saw that last year in the... But, what bigger stage to do it last year than Daniel Murphy in the playoffs? He, he was on that run. He hit, yeah, yeah. you know, something like nine home runs in, you know, a, a short amount of time, maybe yeah. 30 at-bats. Yeah. Um, but Harper's another one of those streaky type hitters. Giancarlo Stanton's another one that when he gets on a roll, yeah. um, you know, it hits him in bunches. Yeah. Um, Mur- last year, Lucas Duda, we saw, hit him in bunches. Cespedes will hit him in bunches as yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. when you get on Murphy, a- you mentioned Murphy's been hot. This uh, this yeah, season, whole year, <laughs> hitting four well, sixteen last six months. There, he's he's been a really terrific uh, winning player of the month. There, um, we we just about to go to a break shortly, but just one of the big ones that came to my attention was the Seattle Mariners had some sort of comeback during the week. Take a listen to this. The O one swing, flare, center field. The Mariners lead. Sean O'Malley has made this a 13-12 game with two outs in the top of the seventh inning. And you can knock them all over with a feather. This is happening in San Diego. Ten runs down <laughs> against the Padres. What first a great time, call. First, yeah, unbelievable. That's why we got it because the, the guy like loses it. You can it, knock yeah. them over with a feather. He loses it. He just loses He can't believe what he's actually seeing. Jumped a few octaves there, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, the last time that was done, of course, was uh, Oakland back in 09. But a phenomenal performance by the Mariners there. Ten runs down against the Padres to come back and take a 13-12 lead going and win that game. But we... Sorry? I, I was just going to that, That's interesting uh, that, you know, sometimes you think in a 162-game season, uh, you've really got to hit your way back into a game like that because then the manager, you know, and the and the people in charge start managing 
pens and start managing pitches from there. You know, you might even see a position player come in and pitch in those situations. San Diego had two position players pitching a game this week. Yes. So, so blowouts. Is that scuffling or they're both blowouts? Are they scuffling for well, pitching or they're, they're, the games were blowouts? The game was a blowout. They actually scored a few runs to get back into it, but they were down, I think, 9-1. Um, they ended up losing 9-6, so they actually got back into it. But the, the two, uh, that was... That's blowouts, basically. I yeah. don't think they were scuffling. They had they had two cl- uh, two of their they're set up in their closer in the pen. St- so if they were to get back in it, they could have wheeled anyone out. But just saving arms, other, just in a blowout. Other that's why it's interesting, you know. Like it's when do you when do you give up on the game? You know, that's it's yeah, so interesting. That, when, that's when a do real you, balance. Most some teams have learned to do it too, though. Like the Padres haven't been in a great winning position, whereas the yeah. Cubs and the, the the Nationals, they know that, well, they believe they'll come back at any game. So it's very rare for them to do that. Yeah, uh, unless they're probably. There must be also rare, but also rare are the Cubs behind that far. You know, right, they're correct. pitching so good. Well, so. there must be. A, the there's got to be a matter. line in there where the manager sort of goes, "Listen, we'll just let this one go." throw a regular guy in there to pitch, we'll go get them tomorrow. There's got to be a, a line in there somewhere that the manager draws. But moving on, boys, moving on. Another outstanding performance, Clayton Kershaw hit the 100 strikeout mark already in the season with just the five walks. A phenomenal p- performance, <laughs> not since 1900 has that happened. From a pitcher's point of view, what sort of controls a guy got? That's ridiculous. I think he's got the added thing. Here's the big breaking curveball, which isn't always a strike, but it's such a good pitch that he's got the hitters baffled already before they get into the box. I mean, yeah. they've been seeing him do this for six years now. He's three Cy Youngs. Or, you know, he's he keeps doing it every year, but the control is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you you just can't you you can't describe that. Like that's yeah. I mean, it's 116 years since it's happened. It's clearly something that if you can get through nine innings without giving like without walking a guy, I mean, that's that's outstanding because at some point during the game, if you're pitching that well, guys start taking pitches, they start creeping in Taking on a strike, you on the box. Yeah. You know, they're in the batter's box, they're sitting up on the plate, so they make trying to make it as hard as possible. So that's just. Unbelievable. Pitching to contact, but obviously gets his strikeouts. He actually likes to pitch. He's come out and said in the past, I need three pitches or less to get a guy out. That's my goal. Yeah. The fact that he strikes out 100 still is ridiculous, but just shows you that at two strikes, he's like, oh, well, this is mine now. See you later. Yeah. One of the seasons we had at Palm Beach, just self-indulgent for a moment, but you're a pitcher on that particular team, we averaged 11 pitches per inning for the whole season. That's yeah, fantastic. That's awesome. It's like a yeah, 30, awesome. 30 game that's season in yeah, the end finals and everything. 11 pitches per inning was a phenomenal year. But moving right along, tell me who you would have to play a game for you. You've got Bryce Harper, has had 190 plate appearances, hit 11 home runs. You know where I'm going, right? <laughs> Mike Trout has had 190 plate appearances, hit 11 home runs. And then you throw in Madison Baumgartner, who's had 190 plate appearances and hit 11 home runs. Tell me you wouldn't go with Madison Baumgartner. Take a listen to this. Baumgartner hits it high. Hits it deep. It is out of here. And there's your bunt sign. Hashtag pitches who break, right? And there's your bunt sign. Tell me you wouldn't just throw Baumgartner out there every time. Guy's going to throw you no-hitter and hit you a couple of jacks. The only pitcher to hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, look, and also as a manager, I'm taking pitching over anything, any day. Yep, yep. And uh, and a guy that could uh, 
add that to your uh, offense as well. But I, I'm taking the pitcher anyway, any day. Yeah. Regardless of how he hits. Phenomenal performance. Just uh, there was a heavy debate that had gone around uh, Thursday night. I was involved in a heavy debate who is the best player in the game right now. And you've got to be careful with these words because guys start playing words. Do you mean the best hitter? Or do you mean the best player? <laughs> Most valuable. Or the best pitcher? Or, you know, and people start playing with games like that. To me, the, the best player in the game, just a personal opinion, is Mike Trout, mm. just for his overall kind of game. But what he can't do is come out and throw you a win. Madison Boomgarner can. But only every fifth day. Trout can yeah. influence the game every day. Those 190. So it's, a, it's, a huge, it's an amazing con- uh, conversation if you can have it with the right people. If well, you don't get that's too where tricky, I, lost it. I got the car and went home. Yeah, you get, get, too, get too tricky. But if you just talk about yeah the pure pure playing of baseball, like it's it's got to be a position guy. Yeah, but you also can't win without pitching. You just unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, you need to have five guys that consistently go out there day in day out to do it. Yeah. Um, JC, I'm, I'm just going to have to cut you off, mate. No, Clubby's getting all over. We need to go to a break, but just before... Wrong side of the bed today. Yeah, just before we go to the break, another tough one that is continually come out week after week in MLB Baseball. Marlon Bird has tested positive to PEDs out for 162 games. Can they get caught? That's what they it's, need to understand. Sooner or later, you're going to get caught. <laughs> but Marlon Bird, done for 162-game season. We're going to take a break right now. After this, we're going to speak with the under-15 Australian coach heading off to Japan for the World Cup, and that is Andrew Kyle. So stick with us. You're on SEN Baseball. Hi, this is Brad Thomas from the Detroit Tigers. You're listening to SEN Baseball. And welcome back to SEN Baseball. We're now going to throw an Australian feel on things here. And thanks to the Australian alumni, you can go to the alumni at abpaa.com and check out a story there that's been written about the very, very busy schedule that there is for underage baseball going around right now. But one of these teams that is heading away shortly will be heading off to Japan for the Under-15 World Cup. And the head manager of that has just been announced. That's Andy Kyle. Andy, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, doing great, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Listen, this uh, I just did mention the busy program that tends to be uh, happening right now. A, lot, a few teams do sort of overlap as such. But having just been appointed the manager of this particular team, the Under-15 World Cup team heading to Japan, what's the program from here on in? As I say, the announcement just came out this week, but what's, from your manager's point of view, what's the schedule for this team leading up to that tournament? Yeah, so the uh, we've got close to 40 kids coming uh, to a, a tryout camp, uh, and that'll be intertwined with the MLB uh, Academy up on the Gold Coast. So that's happening at the start of July, 1st of July. The kids will come in, and they'll be interacting in a six-day camp, so... Involved with MLBAA Academy, and then we'll be playing games. It'll be a tryout process as well, as also instructing the kids, so getting them prepared and hopefully introduce them in the culture and the expectations. Um, from there, the team will be picked, and then we'll meet again uh, leading into the tournament in, at the end of July. Andy, traditionally, these teams seem to have had a lot longer of a selection process. So- I was fortunate enough to spend eight weeks at the academy many years ago, and that was they went then went on to pick the team. 
in a week, what what are you looking for as such? I know you would have done some extensive scouting for these kids to even get an invite to the academy um, from their national tournaments and so forth. But what are you yep. what are you trying to see in a week? Are you, is it a, an outstanding performance that can be carried on two weeks later, or is it consistency development from the last time you saw them at probably the nationals or the or the uh, little league stuff? Yeah, it's it's a combination. Um, obviously, sometimes guys get hot at the right time. Um, and other things, we're looking for the kids to be able to execute at the next level. So, um, you know, some kids are successful at their at their own level with playing in the charters and the national teams, but we're looking for guys that are going to be able to compete at, at that international level. So, you know, it's not necessarily always, you know, the kids with the highest batting average or, or things like that all can necessarily throw hard. Um, it's how they execute and if they're able to ex- execute consistently on the, on the next level. So... Um, as you said, we're, we're in contact with all the high-performance managers mm-hmm. and all these kids are, are working out at the moment in their high-performance programs in each state. So we'll be in communication with all them, um, providing some expectations and, uh, you know, and looking at what we need to see from them at the uh, tryout camp. Andy, who are some of the kids you've got your eye on and who you expect to make the team and who will be some of the better performers? Um, luckily, uh, myself and Mark Shippey, who's also on the coaching staff, we were the uh, Cal Ripken uh, two years ago, 2014, um, and there's quite a few of the kids that were on that team that are also be at this camp as well as the year before. So we have, I have seen quite a few of these kids play at, at a high level and an international level, so I expect that those kids kind of come through um, you know, over the last two years and have continued to develop and um, kind of kind of lead that group, I would say. Uh, there's a few kids from Sydney that were pretty competitive and have been doing a good job and, and were at the uh, Under-16 National Tournament this January, uh, as well as a mixture from around the country. So it's hard to kind of pinpoint guys at the moment um, just because they've been playing at different levels. Some were involved in the Under-16 uh, Tournament in January in Sydney. Other kids have been coming through the Junior League Charter System. So... This is a real good opportunity to bring those groups together and see now what level they're at. Andy, I did mention just at the top there, just the overlap at times with some of these things. I know we're sort of trying to align with world baseball for, um, say, Premier 12 point rankings and all of this sort of stuff. So we're really just um, shuffling the deck, so to speak, to get everything lined up. But just over the last few months, you mentioned that team in January and then just recently there was one in Lismore that went away. Willow was part of that, the pitching coach that went undefeated up there, one in Adelaide just recently. Some of these seem to overlap a little bit. Does that make your job tougher to try and stay across a lot of these kids? Because they're all similar age groups, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And it is. It's it's great that the kids are playing more baseball, but also with that there's so many more opportunities at the moment, and it is becoming uh, difficult. Um, And I know... Speaking with Glenn Williams, he's finding it extremely difficult just to try and to align them up and get kids available to, as you said, this is a, is a world championship that's available for points. So this real, needs to be a real focus of, uh, of what kids are doing at the moment. So, yeah, look, with the Junior League uh, National Championships, we're the under-16s. Some are choosing to do one, some are choosing to do other things. Um, so that is making it a little bit difficult to monitor and, and see who's available. And some kids are becoming unavailable for things because they're doing other tournaments. Um, so it's kind of just communication and, 
and trying to monitor them through each state. Andy, what are the expectations for this tournament? So what what's what's uh, what are the the powers that be sort of marked us for? Yeah, look, <clears throat> obviously. Um, the 15th two, year go, two years ago struggled. Um, they went to Mexico and, and and really struggled a little bit. So I guess we need to improve on that. It's worth points. So we need to go out there and win some games um, and, and really invest in this. Uh, yeah, I think we'll have a, a good group of kids that will throw strikes and catch the ball. So if we, if we can go away and do that, I think we'll give ourselves an opportunity to, to compete in some games and, and put, it up, put it up against these other nations. So... You know, we expect to go and win some baseball games over there. Yourself and Glenn have obviously had a, a few chats around what the expectation is and so forth. I have a couple of kids that are going to be in your program and some of the in Glenn's program at the academy, and then we're off off to the Philippines for the charter as yep. the Southern Mariner Team Australia. Do you think it's becoming a little bit unfair currently because uh, on the kids this is because at this at some point if you select a couple of these kids from my charter which i hope you do yeah um, there will be a clash for if we were to be successful in the philippines for them to go to either the world cup as an under 15 um australian player or to be the australian representative for the charter series in the little or the senior league world series so yeah. obviously two pinnacles and great and you've got a the problem is though these kids have to make a choice now and it's like there's a disconnect between the Premier 12 and what the Little League World Series is trying to do to get, and it's interfering with our development here in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone's in the same boat at the moment and trying to kind of get a solution to that. Um, there has been such an emphasis on the Little League, you know, building that kind of charter system up in each state, um, which has some benefits, obviously. But on that next level, as you said, it's, it's becoming difficult aligning it up and, guys are having to choose and it's, it's tough on the kids you know <laughs> at 14 years old making kids kind of choose what they want to do um is very difficult and also on the parents so yeah look it, it is very tough um you know obviously with the system the way it is we we need points for the premier 12 so the the world championships are becoming extremely important to the nations um mm. and for us for funding etc is is important to get the points and be in that tournament. So, you know, on a national level, I think that's got to be a real focus, how we work that in with the with the charter systems. I don't know yet, but um, it is becoming a problem and, and kids are having to choose, which, which is a little unfair, but I'm not sure what the solution is just yet. Um, personally, obviously, <laughs> you know, representing your country is, is, is an absolute honour. So... Um, to try and take that away from kids is, is difficult. Yeah, make, having to make a choice is definitely difficult. I just would like to commend Glenn and Baseball Australia. I was a little bit critical because of what I was, what the information we had at the time, but um, yeah. they, they have actually extended the invites back to these kids to make sure they do get to go to the academy and to the charter, which I think is fantastic for Glenn to yeah. make the considerations for the program because I understand players coming in and out isn't great. Um, yep. But I guess the other thing we need to understand and probably educate the kids and so forth is that there is so many opportunities and the end goal is for you at some stage, hopefully in your career, to play for Team Australia in the Baseball World Classic and um, potentially be up against, you know, the best baseballers in the world because in that that's the first tournament in 30 years that's actually allowed Major League players. So I think if we can if we set that as the end point and work together, there's some real goals that can be had so that Team Australia can continue its success in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, absolutely. And just just on that, yeah, Glenn's been doing an outstanding job in that role and. <laughs> 
as you can imagine, he's getting questions from everywhere and, and trying to trying to do the best for everyone and give everyone opportunities. So he has done an amazing job with that. Um, and as you said, you know, the earlier they're in the systems and understand the expectations and, and get a feel for what it's like um, at those tournaments, it just creates habit for these kids. So as they go through, you know, it's nothing different from them. They don't get overwhelmed by the, the opportunities. So... Um, yeah, hopefully that does lead on to, to bigger and better things for these kids representing their country. Andy, just one more from me before we uh, let, let you go, mate. Really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, the other coaches involved, you mentioned Mark Shipley just at the top there, but who are the other coaches that will be uh, a part of the Australian Under-15 national team heading to Japan? Yes, uh, Damien Shanahan, who's the high-performance coach for uh, Victoria, um, who's been involved in the Australian juniors and national team for many years now. And also, obviously, Mark Shipley is the other assistant and long-time MLB player, Graham Lloyd, oh, is a pitching coach. So, nice. good to uh, work with Lloyd again. So, yeah, I, I know those guys pretty well through through the last few years and, uh, yeah, really looking forward to working more with them. Mate, uh, really appreciate your time. I uh, did notice your first game's up against the host nation, Japan, so it'll be a <laughs> tough, tough one that first night. But, um, look, we wish you all the best and good luck with it all. Of course, you've got to get through the selection process yet and rabid, rabid parents. So uh, good luck with all of that. I hope it really goes well and uh, good luck for the tournament later on, end of July into early August. It starts in Japan. So good luck here from SEN Baseball. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good on you, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks yeah. for coming on, and thanks to Andy Kyle for coming on the show, uh, head manager of the Australian uh, under fifteen team, which will be heading to Japan later on in uh, towards the end of July and early August. But uh, we're going to head to a quick break, so make sure you stick with us. But just after the break, we're going to go to San Francisco Giants. We're going to speak with a beat writer there for the San Francisco Giants, writes for MLB.com, Chris Haft. So stick with us. You're listening to SEN Baseball. Baseball is the largest spectator sport in the world. In 2015 alone, over 73 million people attended professional games in the United States, with 65 million people playing in over 100 countries around the world. Baseball is the world's second largest participation sport. Baseball is truly a game that everyone can enjoy. It's free to try and cheap to play, but most importantly, it's fun for all. From t-ball and little league to seniors and masters, for the young and the young at heart, Baseball is the perfect game for boys and girls and mums and dads too. With over 105 local clubs in Victoria, get started by going to www.baseballvictoria.com.au to see how you can get involved today. And welcome back to SEN Baseball on the line now. We have beat writer for the San Francisco Giants, Chris Haft. Chris, how are you? Welcome to the show, mate. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. This is a real honour. No problems, mate. Appreciate you giving us a few moments of your time. Now, we are going to be short here because there's been a big story that's sort of broken overnight and is happening sort of as we speak. But Hunter Pence for the San Francisco Giants, it's uh, speculated it'll be out for maybe eight weeks and is, is currently undergoing surgery. Can you update us on that situation there? Right. He is not. Well, he hasn't. They're considering. Uh, they're strongly considering surgery. It's almost a certainty that's going to happen. Uh, and then the eight-week timetable that could change. You know, once the surgery is performed, and once they see what you know, what they found out when they go into Pence's hamstring, and 
you know, how he recovers once he gets back out on the, you know, rehabilitation um, uh, venture. But um, right now that's the way it is. They're going to be without uh, – they know they're going to be without one of their top run producers for uh, up to two months, maybe a little bit more, and so they've got to find some alternatives. Can you give us just a, an updated diagnosis on what the actual injury is? A torn, a torn hamstring tendon. Um, it's. Uh, Is it the top of the leg or down like, near the knee? More at the top. So um, you know, it's different from some other hamstrings. You know, Angel Pagan, a fellow outfielder, has had some um, hamstring problems, but Hunter's case is a little bit different. So um, again, they'll just have to, um, you know, undergo. They'll have first. They're still going through the process of selecting. Uh, a physician to uh, perform a procedure, so uh, they just have to hope for the best, like I said. The team's been on a hot streak uh, recently, the last 10 games, winning seven. Um, you've, we've had really good performances from the Shark, from Johnny Cueto and Madison Bumgarner. What's the, obviously, this, is gonna, this could potentially bring the team down a bit. Is there good vibes around everyone getting around Hunter Pence to keep the vibe for this team going so whilst he's out, they can you know continue to win and he can come back and hopefully win a World Series because it's an, it's an even year again this year being 2016? <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they seem like the type of seems like the type of bunch, you know, who is resilient. You know, they've, they've typically been resilient. Uh, even in their World Series winning years, they, they've had to withstand some, uh, some injuries. Uh, 2014 particularly, they had, you know, problems with the pitching staff. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they've got it, it, it's only been one day that you know they really understood the full extent, the full impact of uh, you know what Hunter's going through, and you know just knowing about the clubhouse today, you know you don't see a lot of long sad faces. They know what they have to do. Uh, the offense has not been consistent. They'll need to get a little more consistent without Hunter in the lineup, and uh, I mean, they, they believe they can. Of course, doing it is another matter, but um, uh, they have sucked. Their pitching is so good that uh, they, they should be able to at least remain competitive even without Hunter Pence around. So from your, I mean, what a, not, what a great job you've got, you know, getting to watch the Giants every, every day. It's uh, well, obviously one of my favourite teams as well. But from your perspective, why do you think the Giants have been so good for such an extended period of time? It's, um, you're ta- are you talking about the, like the last several years? Yeah, yeah say over the last, over the last decade. Well, they they did get um, I shouldn't say get lucky, but they got they were, they were fortunate in that they hit with um, they um, succeeded with three number one, three first round draft choices in a row. You start with those guys: Tim Lincecum, Madison Bumgarner, and Buster Posey. Now that may say, sound like okay, it's, that's obvious, and perhaps it is obvious. But you know what? You look at what other teams do that have you know with their their first round draft choices, and they don't hit on uh, they don't. They don't hit the target with um, three first-round picks in a row. Usually, there's one or two guys. Usually, you know, baseball you know, drafting for baseball is an inexact science. But um, you know, so a lot of first-rounders underperform. But in the Giants' case, you know, they have three guys who turned into you know superstars, or at least you know very very decent performers with Lincecum, Bumgarner, and Posey. And they those three helped lead those guys from. Um, help lead the team from mediocrity to um, you know, excellence. That's one place where you can start. Just overall, also, the pitching was, uh, you know, uh, made, made big strides over 
over those years. And uh, as you gentlemen know, pitching is really the currency of baseball. So if you have that, you can, you can withstand a lot of other things. Sure. And uh, look, it's one thing to pick a, a number one draft pick. It's another, th- another thing to develop them. It seems that the, the Giants' culture is one of the things that help bring those guys along. You hit it on the head. That's very true. I mean, they have a, they really have a winning culture. I know it sounds like a cliche, but they do have a winning culture from top to bottom now in the organization. They didn't have that for a long time. I happen to have grown up in a San Francisco area, and I grew up a Giants fan, actually. And you know what? They were just a bunch. Uh, way back when, they were just um, they were a sad, sad sack bunch, you know? They, they didn't have a, an organization where they teach you at, you know, at, the, at the very lowest levels you know, how to win, um, the importance of winning and pride in the organization and all that. So you're right. Things have really changed. Uh, Chris, I'm just going to take you away from the current present because you do write for the San Francisco Giants. What I have noticed is that you have a vote for the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest players for the San Francisco Giants, Barry Bonds. You didn't vote for Barry Bonds, and I did notice this week he's come out and apologised <laughs> to the media. For I would neither. <laughs> yeah, for some of his performances over the journey. Where do you feel Barry Bonds sits as a legacy for his, his baseball? Oh, boy. Um, you've done your homework on me, haven't you? <laughs> Got to dig on people, mate. Got to check you out. <laughs> I wouldn't vote for him either, by the way. <laughs> I haven't. Well, yeah, I, I just – it just leaves a what, – what, what happened, the way things played out for him just leaves, leaves a bad taste in my mouth for now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling with this almost, you know, quite frequently, really, especially since he was technically um, – exonerated of all uh, charges and what have you. Yeah. So technically, he's done nothing wrong. So yeah, I'm, I'm still grappling. I'm, I'm, I grapple with this issue. I'll, I'll grapple with this issue more now, I'll admit, than, uh, than I ever have in the recent past. I mean, um, technically, now, technically, he's done nothing wrong. Um, as far as being kind of a, you know, certainly with the writers and all that, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, as long as you're consistent in your behavior. So, you know, I, I don't have any, I don't bear any grudges toward him. He was a fabulous player. Fabulous um, player. Fabulous. Or, no arguments there. Oh, my God. Just yeah. unbelievable. God gave that man lightning in his, lightning in his wrist. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God. Was, so did his dad and his <laughs> uncle. <wasn't laughs> God, Godfather or whatever he was. Do, do you think his demeanor yeah, with the media oh, is... Yeah, sorry, Chris. I was going to say, do you think his demeanor with go the ahead, media is ahead. reason why you're perspective of him like putting his baseball aside is a little bit jaded to be negative i don't blame him for being jaded i really don't you know i on balance if you ask me questions about keep if we were to continue this conversation for a while i'd probably end up saying more positive things about barry bonds than negative really mm-hmm. but um i just because of what he's you know because of that cloud the pv mm-hmm. cloud i just couldn't vote for him but um again Five years. He'll be he'll be on the ballot for about five more years, six more years, whatever. Um, I've changed my mind on other guys before. Hmm. Who knows whether I'll change it again? I, I just have to, you know, just have to see what uh, happens when the gun's put to my head. <laughs> well, Chris, uh, we really appreciate your time today. We're going to have to wrap it up there. We know you got some deadlines for stories over there on Hunter Pence, a big breaking story over there. Uh, for the Giants at the moment, but really appreciate your time this morning coming on the show and giving it an insight into San Francisco Giants and uh, writing for them. So thanks very much for coming on. Really appreciate it.
Oh, thank you guys very much. I hope I helped. Thank you. Thanks, mate. And great chat there with Chris Half, the uh, journalist over there with the San Francisco Giants. They really do have... It's amazing the the business we we have it here with the AFL football in that the journalists are always got to be on the top. As soon as they hear a story, they've got to be on top of it. What you didn't hear on the audio there is right at, when we first got on the phone there with Chris, he was really under the pump to get the story out regarding the Hunter Pence injury and whether he's possibly having surgery and that sort of stuff. Um, but he gave us a couple of minutes, which was yeah. terrific. He was great. Well, how gracious and uh, and and forthcoming he They're was. They're coming on he this show, mate. They should be gracious. We're, we're, we're <laughs> allowing them to come on SEN Boast. Come on, mate. He was great. He, he brought a good attitude. He Absolutely, and they they really do give you a great insight into the into the the world of a journalist in baseball over in the US. And he did sort of. Uh, he he dropped the line of boy you guys have done your research whatever he said there just regards to the Hall of Fame voting which is an area we don't get to see too much about but it's online there you can find who these guys uh, do and don't vote for at times and and was interesting I find that a San Francisco writer uh, hasn't voted for Barry Bonds who was such a great San Francisco Giants um player over the journey but as uh, Chris mentioned there he, he's softening there's a cloud. His, he's there's softening a cloud his attitude PED, towards yeah. it is that due in part to Bonds now being back with the Miami Marlins and imparting some of his knowledge back to players and they're, they're, they're getting to see a softer side of him maybe well, he's come out and apologised in many things. He's the way he, he the way he acted at certain times, obviously to the media. Getting back into baseball is a huge thing for people to start liking him again. Yeah. Um, as Chris said, he's not actually been found guilty of anything. So now that that's starting to wear off, and people are saying, okay, well, he he wasn't guilty. Okay, the the um, emotions a little bit out of it now with time passing. Yeah. So these people are starting to to turn around and like, you know, with with guys that have come out and admitted it, there's still that clay like Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit. These guys may not get there or might get voted in posthumously or so forth. But yeah. with Bonds, because of the emotion, is now out of the conversation, and there's been no no guilt um, apart from what people can insinuate. Then uh, you know people are starting to like him, and I think Chris will change his vote in two or three years' time. Probably when it comes to that point where, oh my goodness, this is Barry Bonds' last year on the Hall of Fame ballot, yeah. he might start to get that. Well, he wasn't guilty, so we should we should be voting for him now. And plus, he's not hitting a three-run home run against us, and he didn't just <laughs> give up. Yeah, he didn't just hit a bomb. Look, it's in, it, there's really there's a, a subjective and objective really uh, point to this, isn't it? Like, you, by all objective standards, Barry Bonds is Hall of Fame. Um, Pete Rose, for that matter. And yeah. then you've got the subjective, you know, uh, off-field character and, and people judging and things like that of, of, of their character. be interesting to see if, if Barry Bonds didn't have that public relations issue, if he would be in baseball right now. Would he still be in baseball right now and would he still be trying to make amends through the media right now if he didn't live like an a-hole? Would, uh, would he have yeah. been as good if he didn't live like that though? That's well. Yeah, he alluded to is... that. He alluded to that in in the interview. I did read that interview. Mm. He was, you know, the players uh, intervened with him and, and said, you know, why are you such a why are you like this and why don't you lighten up and things like that. And then he started slumping. I think that's a cop out. That's an absolute. I'm just, I'll just out. ask you. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, from my point of view, that's an absolute cop out to say that you performed well because you were an a hole, you know. And I don't buy that for two seconds. You're an a hole because you're an a hole. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I, I, it doesn't I, have it's no impact on you as a player whatsoever. I try to 
looking at it from the outside, and this is a long way, we're a long way from the bubble of, uh, and I'm doing air quotes here, the <laughs> greatest player that ever lived. The the media, the media, um, the focus, you know, we haven't lived what Barry Bonds has had to live. You know, I'm sure there's so many stories that we just haven't heard. Over Chris the, alluded to that too. Yeah, over the just things over the journey because let's remember all of these journalists need to fill stories. Mm. So they need to just chase any little lead that they do have, they need to chase. So the pressure that, that may have built on Bonds over the time and let's the home run chase that he ended up smashing in the end. Um, you know, I mean, the the movie 61 goes back to Mickey Mantle and, and Roger Maris and losing hair and smoking 10 packs of cigarettes a day. The, and that was just back in the 60s. Mm. The focus that there is on the game right now must be something. But Chris Haft, who we, we're just sort of discussing, he did have a Hall of Fame vote this year. The that's, a, that's incredible, first and foremost. Yeah. I think it's amazing that these guys, that a... He's a sports writer and he's obviously very good and he's been doing it for a long time, writes for MLB.com, but we just spoke to a guy that gets to influence who's going into Cooperstown to be the next Hall of Fame baseball. I mean, that's yeah. that's something something pretty special that he he can in uh, have a, an impact on. Yeah, absolutely. This year, of course, Griffey and Piazza, he um, going into the Hall of Fame, the induction is early July, I mm. believe, they have been voted in, so the, the induction will be later on. He did vote for Kurt Schilling, who missed out and... Subsequently, got sacked recently from ESPN. I think yeah. it was for his um, crazy <laughs> comments. He's not... still going too. There's still some rants that he's putting up on Twitter. He's he's having a. He'll crack. be back. He's He'll be back because people like controversy. Yeah, he's having a crack. There's a lot of TV stations <laughs> oh, and analysts, so they'll get him, and they like somebody to just sort of cause a little. Speaks their mind. Yeah, somebody who speaks. He might their be mind on ESPN, the Ocho, the Spanish version. <laughs> Yeah, could do, could do. Subtitles yeah, underneath about what's going on. Um, but, boys, I think we're we're just about done for today. Appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, just mentioned a big thank you to Andy Kyle, the head coach of the Under-15 national team, heading to Japan for the World Championships coming up. Um, and a big thank you to Chris Haft, who we just talked about there, for coming on the show. And what about our pre- production team they just keep coming up with the winners oh, they just came up with some good facts about the hall of fame today i was impressed with that there's all Aaron, sorts of stuff Clubby. the sen america team here is phenomenal the production that goes into this is uh sparing but we get it done <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no, just, hang on i'll just get out of our remember bed. they're on the wrong side of the bed today that's <laughs> a bad wait, comment gotta <laughs> wait till they're out of the studio hey, they're top notch mate make no mistake they're absolutely great. the best in the business uh, but a big thank you to the guys really appreciate good show today jc thanks for wearing your Korean top, really appreciate it. And, and you're here, Cassie. Where you went? <laughs> Just quickly before we go, who, who is this particular player? Uh, Kim Tae Kyun. Yep, is uh, the highest paid Korean athlete. Yep, a couple of million a year. Right. Um, Clutch hitter, yeah, just ice cold with runners in scoring position. Yeah, phenom- just gets it done. There is a lot of uh, Korean guys, of course. Daeho Lee's over there with Seattle. Young Ho Park with the Twins. You, you'd love that. Uh, you'd love the Eagles shortstop at the moment. Yeah, Ha you suck. <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> hey, Hart, nice. you suck. <laughs> nice. Look, That's we're going to leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> they have some unusual names that uh, look different in Mum Australian. Mum didn't want to go on. In Australian <laughs> language, of course. But uh, good on you, fellas. Got to leave it there. Willow, thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Absolute great. JC, good on you, mate. See you again soon. And you're here. Que you Terrific. <laughs> we start with it and we finish with it. Yeah. Thanks to the SEN America team. Terrific job, guys. We'll uh, speak to you next week. You're listening to SEN Baseball.
Thanks for listening to the SEN MLB podcast. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America. You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today.